impress your friends, amaze your coworkers, make your family proud. Here's what you need to know. I'm going to tell you what you need to know. Fourth quarter of the program begins right now, finishing strong here on a Friday. Um, nice looking things. Friday. Yeah. That's a, you said, what about Friday? It's a nice-looking Friday. Yeah, it's beautiful out there. It's getting warmer. going to be even warmer this weekend. Enjoy uh, a wonderful Friday. Uh, our uh, Need to Know is brought to you by our friends at Gan Asphalt and Concrete. You can find them online at ganasphalt.com. The best, one contractor, all things parking lots, uh, whether it's uh, striping, a beautifully striped lot, not only looks great, gives a first impression, uh, second to none, a great last impression as they leave your business, uh, but also uh, cuts down on liability problems. That's right. If you got cars out there playing bumper cars in the lot because they can't see where the uh, lines are or they're having a hard time getting out because somebody's right on top of them because they couldn't see the line and where to park or you don't have the handicap parking the way you should, uh, that can be a problem for you. Focus on your business. GAN lets you get back to business focusing on what it is you need to focus on, not dealing with liability problems in your parking lot. Find them online at ganasphalt.com. That's GanAsphalt.com. Like I said, one contractor, all things parking lot. If you I don't, oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I won't name the business, but I was at a business yesterday that could really call Gan because I've never seen a major business have this many parking spaces, just no lines. And it's because they've been, and the cars are parked every which way. One guy's taking up two spots. You're like, what are these idiots? And you realize there's no lines. Yeah, and I problem. think less of that place now because of that parking lot. There it is. There it is. There it is. If you don't use GAN, that's your own asphalt. <laughs> well, oh, wow. Someone's a writer. Somebody was excited to drop that one on us. Wow. Very good. Very and good. And I'm leaving. Jockey, you can run the rest of the show. He's peaked. That's... Probably he probably. would if you'd show him how, but yeah. you've yet to do that in his internship. Protecting his little jobs. Uh, that's what I. Somebody's like, cool. I'm not teaching this kid. Replacement? Are you out of your mind? I'm not teaching this kid. Uh, listen, we want to start. One of the things you need to know is that 810 and the Kansas City Radio community would like to honor Lisa Lopez Galvin, uh, the beloved DJ uh, who lost her life in the senseless uh, violence following the uh, victory parade. 23 radio stations have come together. One common goal, that's to raise money for Lisa's family and all other families hurt that day. Head over to Sports Radio 810's Facebook page to find links to donate to the victims and their families. Uh, the post is pinned to the uh, top of the Facebook page, so it's not hard to find. Uh, we are Kansas City Radio. We are stronger together, and you can be a part of that uh, with us. So we encourage you to get to our 810 Facebook page and be a part of uh, helping out. Kansas City always does such a great job yes. of taking care of their own. Uh, we would encourage you to do that again here in this situation. Let's talk with a little bit of the news of the day. Start with our Kansas City Royals. Woo! They beat the A's in walk-off fashion today, 5-4 in surprise. Casey scored the game winner on a throwing error. After giving up two in the ninth. Bobby Wood Jr. and Salvador Perez both homered. Cole Reagans tossed three scoreless on one hit, one walk, and three Ks. Was said to be touching 100 again. Oh, man. Which our own Adam Dravetta posted, always a little leery when I... We see that. Well, we're Royals fans. Yeah, we're used to. That's part of the problem. What's the next thing that's going to go wrong? How long does he have to pitch at, at a level like this before we go, 
Okay, it's all right. This is just what he is. How long before we stop being nervous? Um, the end of this season. Okay. I'm going to stretch it out a bit. If, if he's still throwing gas and he's in the hundreds and we're into June or July, still waiting for it. Finish out the year and you're still hitting triple digits and you've had no issues and hasn't missed any starts, no dead arm, no nothing. I think we're probably good, but it's going to take to the end of the year for me. Is he the opening day starter? Uh, you know, usually when you acquire someone of name value like Michael Walker, that guy's just, well, he's the guy. But Reagan's might be. Seth Lugo got the bigger contract. Yeah. But most people have heard, yeah, that's true. But most, most Royals fans have heard they'll show up to see Michael Walker. But this is one of the few years in which they've acquired someone of that nature and had one of their own guys. Well, are you going to give it to Brady Singer, no. eight and eleven with a five fifty two? No, it, it's it's, it's right. to me it's Reagan's or, or Waka. Was it in oh nine? I think it's Cole Reagan's. I think the guy who was here yeah. longer. Did That's, did Mesh or Grinky start opening day in oh nine? That was his to what became Grinky's Cy Young year. But it was the first year. Hmm, interesting. Because Grinky, like the Royals, finished that that oh eight year really strong. Grinky continued that strength. The Royals did not. But I can't remember who wound up starting because it was that January of 09 when they gave Greeky that contract. I would tell you who caught that game, but based upon the work that was done by somebody, I can't confirm that it's accurate. True story. 09 season opener. It's a good thing I'm not a harsh well, Greeky pitched the pitched the second game, so it must have been. Uh, I'm just looking at the game schedule. It's been Gil. Gilmesh. Yeah, your match started in uh, ten thousand. Pretty pitches. good. I mean, not yeah. not not bad. Seven innings, seven minutes, one run, no walk, six Ks. But got out dueled by Mark Burley in the pen. The pen got him. Kyle Farnsworth came in and gave it up in the ninth. Uh, can I tell you that the Royals' top four starters, because they only put four up here on Baseball Reference last year, Reagan's five and two with the two sixty four. Mm-hmm. He started twelve games for the Royals. 27 starts, Zach Greinke, 2 and 15 with a 506. Brady Singer, 8 and 11 with a 552. Jordan Lyles, 6 and 17 with a 628. It can't be that bad this year. No. It can't be. No. If Reagan's can just give him 30 starts at a three, Lugo, Waka, Bounce back for Singer, I'm yeah. thinking. Less usage on Lyles. And then Lynch or Bubich moving him out at some point. That is significantly better. Oh, absolutely. I, I think the one part when people are like, I don't know, how do you go? Because we, we saw 100 lost teams last year. What the Red, Did the Reds lose 102 years before? Uh, they were 82 and 80 last year. They got about 500. Was it that the Diamondbacks? What was the list of teams? I know we had a whole list of the Diamondbacks, the, the Reds, Orioles? the Pirates, the Marlins. All these different teams were going from having bad records. I don't know. They didn't all lose 100. Right. But bad records to good. If you're like, well, could that be the Royals this year? How could it do it? I'll come back to something Denny Matthews has said for a long, long time. Like, you know. Number one, you're only as good as your next day starter. Momentum is only as good as its next day starter. And, you know, the the first inning, the starter sets the tone. And when your starter comes out and goes, Bleh, it sets the tone. I mean, I do think there is something to, okay, you know, three up, three down. Like, let's go, boys. 
You know, we got a man's got us. Let's let's get some runs, and you don't have to feel like you got to get five. So I, I do think if there is a big jump, if they have solidified this pitching staff, they're capable of making a big jump. And the Reds went from sixty sixty uh, and a hundred to eighty two and eighty. Or 62-9. So they, they did jump from 100 losses to an 81 season. But the other ones that jumped, it was a two-year. The Orioles jumped two years. The D-backs, I think, jumped two years from 100 losses to the postseason. But the Reds did jump to 80, 82 wins last year from 60, from 100 losses the year before. So that, that's a significant jump. That is a significant jump. Yeah. So it can happen, people, yeah. is what we're saying. I think that's what we're getting at. I think so. Uh, this weekend, number seven KU at number fifteen Baylor, noon on ABC, and right here on your home of the Jayhawks, Sports Radio eight ten WHB. Who you got? I've not been able to find uh, spreads. You know, I, basketball usually doesn't come out till the day of. Yeah, but sometimes you can you, you pick can up find some sometimes on on. I, I've I've checked the usual places and can't find anything yet. Generally, my history is when. It's the moment where you think, ah, they're going to fall. Say, you know what? Just pick, pick the fighting bill selves. But I'm not feeling it with this with this group yet, which means they probably will win. Um, I, I don't think they'll get blown out, but I, I think they'll probably fall single digits, eight, seven, eight point Baylor win. But the thing is, if they win, I don't know what it means because I can't figure out this this team from one game to the next. You think you know. Well, that's them. And then the next day, the next game, they, they kind of fall back on it. And fortunately for them, a lot of times it's been they've they've made up some ground at home wins and then lose on the road. If they win on the road, then come on and lose. I don't know what's going on. But th- this is in, in the 20 years I've watched this team, I've never seen a team that's more difficult to get my arms around. Yeah, this it's March 1st, and I still don't know what the hell to expect. Yeah, usually they're rounding into form here. They're still a very good team. Yeah. We're grading them on a Kansas yeah. scale. Let's be yeah. clear about that. The The polls would suggest that, that this week's loss to BYU was really bad. Ken Palm would not. They're both BYU's 15, KU's 16. Baylor is 14. The problem is that's where KU has been hanging around most of the year with Kevin McCuller. I know Danny said there's some optimism. Who knows? Maybe Self was just challenging McCuller, and he'll give it a try tomorrow. I'm still going Kansas sort of. I'd say Baylor wins this in like that 74 to 66 range. Can he mean that much to that team? I mean, how good, really? Kevin McCullough's a really good 18 player. 18 a game is their leading yeah. scorer. You're, I, I you're, guess, you're but, one-fifth of their, yeah. of their real, actual Big 12 it, caliber Maybe I'm talent. underestimating the, 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 the scoring part, but... I think there's, I mean, I think there's there's something to what you're saying, but yes, he means a lot. Yeah, he means and, a lot. And I think Bill Self's point about, listen, we need him back, and we need to get our chemistry together. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't think he wants to be like, okay, sit out the rest of the regular season and just come play at the tournament. I think, and unlike a lot of 18 point games, he's so, so big on the other end. I mean, you don't see many guys who are yeah. what you call a defensive stalwart who score 18 a game. So maybe I underestimated him. K-State at Cincinnati, 6 o'clock on ESPN+. Um, it's a tough one, but it's For one the they need straight. to get yes. if they're going to get to a 9-9. Nine and nine. Yep. Uh, I'll be certainly tuning in to find out if ESPN Plus has figured out the microphones. That was brutal. 
Missouri hosts Ole Miss at 7.30 on the SEC Network. No doubt, massive amounts of praise will be heaped on Missouri by the crack SEC Network announcing crew. You know, they're all in 15, but, you know, a couple of shots here and there, they could easily be 14-1. and one. They're not quite that obvious, but... Yeah, but it's in that. it's certainly in that direction. Ole Miss, obviously, uh, you know, Chris Beard, lots of off-the-court problems there and, and that, that resulted in him not being talking in Texas. About? Well, um, what? But by, I think most of us, at least I, I don't want to speak for you guys, I kind of assumed Chris Beard was going to really hit the ground running and and really get Ole Miss going. He still has a chance to do that, but they're not. I mean, I, they should and will be favored, and I think they'll beat Missouri, but I just think the oh, bigger, crap, I mean, of course. The bigger story there is he hasn't gotten it going nearly at the level I really thought he would because it didn't take him at Little Rock or Tech. It did not take him long. So literally in his first year, why weren't they in the final four? Yeah. He's six and nine in the league, nineteen and nine overall, seventy fifth in Kim Pom. <laughs> I, I just I hang on. I want to I want to check something here real quick. Um, I want to make sure what. We're dealing with. He took over a team that was what last year. Um, I don't think they were very good. They go well. They they fired their coach. Yeah, I yeah. think they, they probably weren't twelve wins, something like that. Let's see. Overall, not conference. Ole Miss last year was. Uh, they were and twelve and twenty-one, three and fifteen yeah, in the SEC. I mean, when is this guy going to get this team to a Final Four? No, that, I thought he was a good coach. But, I mean, <laughs> you can't take 12 and 21 and go to the Final Four in your first year. What are we doing here? You didn't think he'd start faster just based on how fast he started at all of his other stops? <laughs> I, I, I didn't do a deep dive on the Ole Miss roster before the That's fair. season. And, I don't know, I, I think, you know, listen, I'm busting your chops. There's probably, yeah, I probably thought, you know, with the transfer portal, Zip that when we watched Dennis Gates and Jerome Tang in their first year, yeah. I think that's fair. I think what you're saying is fair, but I mean, they're going to log win number twenty tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, after going twelve yeah. and twenty one a year and, ago, yeah. that's not bad. Certainly, Mississippi should be happy. Don't how about, how about, how about Curtis already putting one in the yeah. one column for Ole Miss? Wow, Dude, well, he yes, did it for Missouri against Arkansas. Maybe he's thinking it'll work the other way around. I, I don't think anything works when predicting Missouri. He's got at Georgia and A and M left. Uh, Georgia's five and ten in the league. A and M six and nine, so he could finish nine and nine, and twenty two and nine overall, and be on the bubble headed into. But Adam thinks he should be Nashville. Fired. Yeah, what? Today. Get rid of him. I don't get it. Well, get rid of his ass. Adam may think he should have never been hired. Yeah, just for obvious for different off reasons. the court. Yeah, for yeah. different reasons, yeah. situations, but just purely on the court. It, it, I just maybe again maybe I'm underestimating what a difficult job that is, but I just on the court, purely on the court, I thought Chris Beard was well on his way to either getting the next blue blood opening or going to the NBA. There are six ranked teams in the SEC, and he could finish nine and nine. Yeah, okay, that's good. Yeah, that's fair. Tennessee is four. It, by the standings, tied for first. Yeah. Number four, Tennessee. Number 14, Alabama. One game back, number 18, South Carolina. Uh, two games back are Florida at 24, Kentucky at 16, Auburn at 11. 
it's a pretty salty league. He needs to get Marshall Henderson back. He did okay. So much he how had, much I've paid attention to Ole Miss, their yeah. roster. He had a he had a get it going year at, at Tech. Now that I'm looking at, it. he went thirty and five at Little Rock. Followed that up with eighteen and fourteen, six and twelve at Tech, and then the next year he's in the Elite Eight. So he did have a get it going year at Tech that I missed. I think the guy can coach basketball. I wasn't there when whatever happened with his girlfriend, fiance, what have you. I don't know. It's an ugly, ugly situation, but um, you know. The guy can coach basketball. He can flat-out coach basketball. Uh, I do want to – Billy Gillespie looked like he could flat-out coach basketball, and then he could never – he crashed at Kentucky. Yeah. There were a lot of bad. rumblings about him having some issues in his personal life. And then got to Tech. They had video of him yelling at everybody, and now he's out. But Billy Gillespie, to me, looked like when he was hired at Kentucky, it's like, well, they finally got their guy. Yeah, they, they fired um, – uh, Billy Tubby Tubby Smith, not Billy Tubby Smith. Smith. Tubby Smith. Yeah. They fired Tubby Billy Smith, Tubbs. and yeah, that guy looked like the obvious. AC Law had done really well. I mean, he'd gotten and and everyone was A and M of all programs. A and M, of course, he can do well at Kentucky. Yeah, but if 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 Beard kind of flames out and has some issues at Ole Miss, that's probably the last. Well, but Gillespie flamed out at right? Tech, and yeah. that was it, that appears to have yeah. been the end. If if he craps the bed again in Oxford, he, yeah. he's, he's not getting another power conference bit again. Okay, you had you had two chances, and you blew them both. Well, and his his. Are you getting better? Because I can hear you breathing. I'm getting better. Are you okay? I'm, I'm actually. This is the best I've felt in about ten days. Really? Yeah. Okay. Could also be getting the crap out. Is that what yeah, it is? That's. I just heard the spectrums <gasps> do. Yeah. <laughs> Is this Darth Vader on his last, it is, last uh, moments here? Could it be the world's it. loudest vent that I no, have in I, I heard his, no, the, it's, the, yeah, the rattle it's, in his chest is what I heard. Uh, well, thanks for coming in. Yeah. I appreciate that. You know, I'm glad I'm locked <laughs> in an eight-foot-by-eight-foot box with you. This should work well. But Nothing I haven't coughed or anything at all. <laughs> Only several hundred times. It's... <laughs> It didn't blast it out at you. I tried to turn my head and cough into my shirt. So we have my, my, my inside of my shirt is probably a little bacteria factory. That should okay. be fun. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Uh, some college uh, news: <laughs> Prosecutors handling the sports wagering case against four uh, former uh, or suspended Iowa State athletes has asked a judge to dismiss all charges. In a motion filed today in district court, Assistant County Attorney Benjamin Matchen wrote that the Iowa Division of Criminal Investigation exceeded the scope of permitted use of tracking software that detected open mobile betting apps in Iowa State athletic facilities. Three football players and a wrestler. So they did it, but we don't have the right to be finding out that they did it. And right? as someone who's watched Law & Order SVU a lot, I know that sometimes judges realize that um, we may have found this person, but we cannot circumvent the law. I, uh, For me, I want him in jail and prosecuted to the fullest extent. As a man who wagers on games, I need an honest game. <laughs> To bet on. Now, I listen, no big brother. So if they did that, let him out. Yeah. Let's go. you got to get him on tax evasion, right? That's the right. Phone way. That's <laughs> right. Did you pay taxes? Well, how do you know I won? I don't know. Gambling winnings, you got you get taxed. Just plant something in their car. That's how, that's how you do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, in a letter to member schools today, NCAA President Charlie Baker 
Char- Charlie Baker. Is that really the NCAA? I know. That doesn't sound like he should have a three-piece suit on. It's like, hey, I'm Charlie Baker. Uh, so the Division One board of directors told enforcement staff to, quote, pause and not begin investigating invol- involving third-party participation in NIL-related activities. So pause or don't start investigating third-party NIL activities. Uh, the move comes a week after a federal judge granted a preliminary injunction in a lawsuit brought by the attorneys general of Tennessee and Virginia. The antitrust suit challenges NCAA rules against recruiting inducements, saying they inhibit athletes' ability to cash in on their celebrity and fame. So what do we learn here? You had basically the government say, stop doing this. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know, you, 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 you can't investigate. This is not a thing. This yeah. is not a crime. You can't go out and say you, you can't have third-party people be a part of the recruiting. They want you to, like, land at the school and then just take your chances at what you get. Mm-hmm. No. Like, take a job, and we'll tell you what we're going to pay you later. It doesn't work like that. No. Nor and should it. it. And, and, but, but what did we learn? So we knew that. We knew that from that case so we could go. Mm-hmm. What do we learn here? It took the NCAA a blanking week <laughs> to figure out, to tell people to stand down. A week. Oh, stop doing that. Like, what? What are you, the U.S. Senate? I thought they were the most, the world's most deliberative body. A week. Uh, Pats have released cornerback J.C. Jackson. Uh, this was expected. Uh, they acquired Jackson and a uh, 25-7th rounder last October from the Chargers for a 6th rounder. Can't believe that didn't fix that it was all the, the That was the in-vogue move. Yeah. Troubled player in a 7th for a 6th. Uh, and Cam Newton apologized today for his role in a scuffle, if you saw that video. 7-on-7 seven seven youth football tournament over the weekend saying, quote, there's no excuse for his actions. A video from the tournament showed Newton being shoved by three people near the top of a set of steps before the pushing, shoving, and grabbing moved toward a fence line. Uh, Speaking on his YouTube show, Newton said uh, he, quote, let my emotions get the best of me. Well, that's interesting because, like, everybody else was defending Newton as, like, the kids were out of line, right? And then now he's coming forward saying, like, I messed up. So I always said, like, all these people are running his defense. Do we know what precipitated this? They say you're all a bunch of dumbasses. Like, I, I still have no idea, but, you know, I'm guessing Cam had something to say first. Welcome back here on the program here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Seren Petro with you as it's time to talk to the voice of America from CBS TNT Westwood One. He is the great Kevin Harlan. He joins us here in the program right now. Kevin, how are you, sir? Boy, I'm doing great. You guys have had a lot of things to talk about today. I've been listening, driving around. Interesting, interesting time off the football subject, but dealing with infrastructure and everything that uh, surrounds the Chiefs and that recent survey that came out, it's um, kind of eye-opening in some ways for a second second straight year. They've taken kind of a hit, haven't they? They have, but in my opinion, hasn't the Players Association taken kind of a hit? Because for the second straight year, they're grading really poorly on the team that won it all. It's, it's almost like, hey, you know, the Minnesota Vikings, everybody's happy in Minnesota. Okay, we'll enjoy being 500. You know, like, did, 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 right. because the champions have been graded poorly twice in a row, does it more of a hit really to that survey? Well, I think it's probably, hit is probably not the right term, but embarrassment, I think, for a franchise that 
you know, considers themselves um, at the very top elite in everything they do from the football side and those have been self-explanatory to uh, the business side and, and dealing with a variety of different, different things that have come across their path, enhancements to the stadium, um, big contracts they've had to sign, all those things. It just seems like for a second straight year, this has come up. And, and it's a little confusing for someone that and, – and I'm not around there, you know, all week long every day like those players and coaches and, and every weekend where they're just sporadically. But what I see is, you know, first class in every way, and that's why I'm surprised that it has turned out uh, for a second straight year to have this kind of negative tilt to it. Now, your point is well taken. Vikings, I mean, you can go right on down the line of all the teams that have not gotten to the Super Bowl, not been perennial playoff teams that have, you know, got great facilities, but, you know, can't seem to uh, sustain that success on the field uh, that they're, you know, enjoying off the field in the locker room for their families, the food quality, everything that that survey talked about. So, um, yeah, kind of interesting, isn't it, that, that it's taken this kind of slant, but, but clearly uh, the Chiefs, I think, just knowing the way they are, um, take it seriously and, and we'll, we'll attack it. Yeah, in a very vigorous way, and then they are a little bit in limbo in the sense that they, you know, are are working on a new stadium deal. I mean, you know, I, I said, hey, you think the bathrooms were bad at, uh, you know, the airport when we were waiting on the new airport to be built? I mean, what's it going to be when we're building new stadiums, right? Like, I, don't, I don't think, I don't think city, county, state, or team is going to be real interested in throwing a lot of money. Uh, at the uh, at the old ones, so I mean, we are going to live through uh, that time, um, and, and I get it. But I, I think the more important uh, letter grade that was given out to the Kansas City Chiefs was Andy Reid A plus. That that clearly is the one that certainly mirrors up more with the results that they've got an A plus coach and they won a championship. I think that you know that that, that comes part and parcel with the success that they've had. Reid's reputation in the NFL is second to none. Um, when he decides to stop coaching, he'll be in Canton. Um, he's going to go down as one of the greatest coaches in the history of the game. And I just think that the fact this year may have brought out a different kind of angle with him that we've not really realized. It was not their best regular season. Their numbers were down. They didn't have a chance to, you know, kind of exploit the, the win from the year ago in the Super Bowl and, and kind of went back and forth most of the season. Yet when it mattered the most, he got the team on the same page. They hit their stride. They peaked at the right time and they won again. And there's nothing to me that says, you know, was coaching a part of it than what he did. He got everybody to play at a different level. He simplified some things. He, you know, leaned in, in certain areas where maybe he hadn't in the past, but he got that team rallied around him when it mattered the most. After that Raider loss in Arrowhead Christmas, that was that was an eye-opening experience. And, and um, I'm not certain exactly how far-reaching the changes were, the things that Reed did 
that made a difference. I think they were probably building throughout the year. But clearly, after that loss, things took hold, and, and that was the pivot point. And from that point on, uh, not only did they win, but they won playoff games on the road. And, and to me, that was a whole new chapter of uh, him and his coaching and the greatness of his coaching and the way he prepared the team for kind of a new obstacle. Until then, they had played all their playoff games with Mahomes at Arrowhead. And this was a example of, you know, having to maybe do things a little differently because it required it with the kind of season they had and then it really coming to fruition with wins on the road in the playoffs and eventually another Super Bowl championship. Yeah. I mean, he, he was that what they did this year. And I went on uh, on Visa and the gambling network there in Vegas, and you know, with some guys I've known for a long time, and one of them's like, uh, "Yeah, you you buying this doom and gloom on the Chiefs?" I just went down and and I bet the Chiefs at like you know twelve to one to win the Super Bowl or something, and I was like, "Oh, I'm not. I mean, I don't know about buying the doom and gloom, but they're a flawed team." Like I said, "No, I don't think they're going to win it." He's like, "What? How do you, they always figure it out?" And he was right in the end, and he cashed that ticket, and he sent me a picture of the ticket and reminded me of cashing that ticket and how he was right and I was wrong, and he absolutely was. But I think in some ways, you know, I think back to it, I'm like, yes, you get to cash the ticket. And in gambling, that's all that matters. doesn't matter why you made the bet. If you won it, you get the money and you're a winner, and he is. And certainly he had some good logic, like, hey, the Patrick Mahomes is great, Andy Reid's great, they'll figure it out. That is that is that's the thought process of a reasonable man. But I think it also, though, certainly doesn't, and what I think maybe my job is, is to highlight how hard it was. It wasn't just like, oh, Reed plus Mahomes equals championship. They, you, you just said it, Kevin. They changed a lot. They took Sky Moore off the field. Whether he's hurt or not, they say he was, fine. They took him off the field. He never came back. They took Kadarius Tony off the field. He never came back, right? Even to the point of all the shenanigans with his Instagram and saying he wasn't hurt, he didn't come back. Like, they made some wholesale changes. And I watched time and time again, like coaches who won't change. You know, I, I think it's one of the real marks of the greatness of Andy Reid is a lot of coaches, even some very good coaches, are an impersonation of whoever they were brought up under, right? For the most part, they're like, hey, this is how we do training camp because that's how my mentor did it. This is how we do week of practice because that's how my mentor did it. This is how we play the game because that's how my mentor did it. Like, like Mike Anderson, they always press because that's how Nolan Richardson did it, right? He's always going to press. But Bob Huggins wasn't a pressing coach until he looked at his team one year at West Virginia and went, we can't score. We can't throw it in the ocean. I've got to get extra possessions. We're going to play defense. We're going to press. Press Virginia is born tonight, and we're going to turn them over, and we're going to play defense, and we're going to dare them to call a foul on us every time, and we're going to rebound like a mother, and that's how we're going to win games. He changed based upon what's going on on his team, and I think that's the ultimate mark of coaching greatness. Your ability to, yes, everybody has a system, a scheme, a plan, a blueprint, a framework, but adjusting within the season and within the framework of your team is what marks greatness. And to your point, that's what Andy Reid did, and that's what other great ones have done. Is you know, my buddy ultimately was right because Andy Reid was a good guy to trust in. But Andy didn't just keep doing what Andy had been doing all year. Andy did it differently, and that's what made it all click. And the other little thing, adding on to that, Saran, that that was kind of you know um, nebulous, is that when they had this uneven season. 
and then, you know, kind of topped off by the loss at home to the Raiders. Um, they took all the pressure off repeating. Like, no one was even talking about the Chiefs repeating. All they were talking about was they're going to win the division, it looks like, at that time, and, um, and, and we'll see, but they're not the same team. And let's look elsewhere. Let's look to Buffalo. Let's look to whoever they were going to select. And, and that kind of took uh, whatever pressure may have existed to start the season, certainly away as a defending champion. A defending champion's got a degree of, of stress and, and, and pressure that comes with the territory with that mantle. But when the Chiefs were having the kind of season they were having, I think a lot of people began to look elsewhere. And when they were looking elsewhere, the pressure was taken off. Um, the team, I think, played a little looser. These changes we're just talking about here, you know, were probably a little easier to do because they seemed that, that they had to be done. Something had to be done, whether it was that specifically or whatever. And and it all worked. I mean, it just um, – and even in, in Andy's wildest imagination, and I'm sure the way he runs that offense, his imagination is pretty limitless. I, I, would, I would think that even he thinking – are we going to go to Buffalo? Are we going to go to Baltimore? Are, are those two places with this kind of season that we've had that we can win? But the fact is, he never lost faith. He just found a different way to do it with different parts and tools. And uh, and he got Patrick on board. And, boy, when they got rolling, momentum is a hard thing to stop. And for a defending champion with momentum at that time of the year, peaking at that time of the year, that was all orchestrated by Andy Reid. It, it had to be one of his best coaching jobs. It's easy when you win 14, 15 games and then get into the playoffs and maybe have the bye and everything that comes with it, all that that you've had building up all season long. But this team was searching a good part of this year, and, and Andy helped them through that search, and, and clearly we know what they found. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we're talking to Kevin Harlan here on the program. Kevin, a couple more here. Um, the Legereus Sneed, Chris Jones situation. We've talked about it coming down the stretch and what we think would happen. We now know they're putting the franchise tag on Legereus Sneed. It's not going on Chris Jones. They say they want to sign Chris Jones. There's a couple of ways to look at that. One, that they think that they can get it done with Chris Jones, but also they don't really have the cap room to hold him at $30 million, $32 million, the number that they'd have to put out there. He's saying he wants $30 million per year. They weren't willing to pay him that kind of money last year when he was a year younger. So there seems to be optimism uh, that they'll, they'll get something done with Chris Jones. Brett Veach said they wanted to. With the franchise tag on LeJarius Sneed, it's a little bit different in the sense that he said, okay, we anticipate using that tag. They've used it. It's on LeJarius Sneed. Um, and it came with the understanding that, Yes, we'd like to work on a long-term deal, but in the meantime, you can go shop the market, see what's out there for you, and if there's a contract you want to do and a trade that we can make, we'll make it happen. And I think we know that it's got to be more than a third-round pick because I think you'd be optimistic that a starting number one corner in the NFL would bring back probably close to a third-round pick in the and the draft pick compensation that comes with their free agent formulas. So the Chiefs will be looking for more than a third-round pick uh, if he's going to go someplace else. If somebody really wants him is going to pay a lot of money, I think the draft picks won't be a problem. They'll see him as a true number one corner. Let's start with Snead or, or put him together if it's easier for you. How do you think it plays out now that we know 
the dynamics that are at play? Well, the Chiefs have set themselves up well. We know they can find these kind of players because they found Snead and they got McDuffie. So they've got a great acumen for that particular position on the field. Um, Snead is a number one cornerback, I think. I mean, he is um, so well thought of around the league. Um, He's a physical guy that has now played for a a champion a couple years. Um, He comes from a winning program. And I think the Chiefs are saying, you know, did he develop more than we thought? Well, you know, where he was drafted and what he's done. You know, again, in your wildest imagination, you hope for that, but you you expect maybe a little bit less, and he's exceeded those expectations and become what he's become. So they've got the tag on him. He can go out and look around, and and there's going to be a lot of suitors, I think. For a guy like that, he's still young. He's he's probably just entering his prime. He comes from this great defense. Uh, He's been taught well, um, and, and I think he's ready to be a number one. But if he stays in Kansas City, he stays with a great defense, a winning team, and a chance to three-peat, which, you know, how many how many people can say that in the history of pro football? Not just Super Bowl era, but NFL championship era, going back to the 20s. So I'm I'm of the of feeling that, that the Chiefs, if they lose him, um, they're going to get a lot of good compensation. And, and they could fill it, and they could probably figure out someone on the street if they needed a stopgap uh, to put in that position. They've got their number one guy in McDuffie, uh, but Sneed made him special, and there's no doubt about that. And they realize it, so they tagged him, and he knows that how they feel about him. And um, the, the greatest news for the Chiefs and every team in the league was when you and I were talking last week and the salary cap for this upcoming season was announced, and it was higher than anybody had anticipated. So that gives them some more wiggle room. I think they do get the Chris Jones thing finished. You know, Jones, he's bought in. And and hometown discount is a bad term to use. I would not want to minimize that kid's talent in any degree. But um, I think even if you were offered a little bit more someplace else, to stay in Kansas City – with what is a very competitive number, will be right up his alley. And I think the chances of keeping him are good. And quite frankly, I think the chances of keeping both of them are pretty good. And I think they'll find a way to do it. Yeah. Ah, boy. I mean, I would love to say that Chris Jones should take a uh, deal where he makes only $2 million a year and it's perfect for the Chiefs cap because it's the best thing for his life. And it's not. Like, right? Like, uh, go get yours. He's won three championships. I get the optimism for Jones, and I do get the sense that he, like, realized, you know, how he, he, he brought home the bonuses in the end because they won the Super Bowl and because he – I mean, one of his bonuses he didn't get because he wasn't first-team All-Pro. Um, but he, he got all these bonuses, but, man, it wasn't the security. It wasn't the way it was supposed to be. So from from one standpoint, I think you might be inclined to say, okay, I'll take a little less – to get a deal done here, you know, I'll, I'll take, I understand that, you know, Hey, if I can get 40 or 50 million in the bank and, and then I, you know, I, 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 it's, it's not such a stressful year of trying to get back to where I was. Maybe he'll think that way, but like the way he played 10 and a half sacks. I mean, what I keep asking people is did the way Chris Jones played make you think the chiefs 
feel like they're any more ready to give him 30 plus million dollars? I'll say no. He didn't play better than he did the last year. But likewise, do you think Chris Jones, do you think he, he is more inclined with the season he had to take less than he was asking for last year? And to that, I would say no, because he had kind of the same season. PFF had him graded a little bit lower. He wasn't first-team All-Pro, but it was very comparable. So why would he ask for any less? So I hope you're right, because I would love to see him finish here. My fear is that they got work to do on offense. And if they have both of them back, I don't know that they can get all that work done. And Sneed's comments of pay me. pay. What do you have to say to Brett Beach? Pay me. Pay me. I think he's a guy that, you know, he's a little different in the sense he's been playing for fourth-round pick money. And he's like, I'm only going to get one of these because I'm of the opinion corners are like running backs. Taking that first contract, like my dream scenario, I love LeJarrius Sneed. I love it if he played at a super high level like Daryl Green until he's like 38 years old. I, I just don't think that happens in the modern game. And so my dream scenario would be that they get some, somebody gives them some great trade for him. They get some kind of good deal done with Chris Jones, or even they trade Chris Jones, which is they're not going to trade Chris Jones. They take that back because he's going to get to the free agent market. But, you know, if they can get Jones done on a good deal, okay. But if he walks, that's that's a third-round plus. And I kind of like the idea of using next year's first with this year's first to move up this year and get a premium left tackle, like dream scenario, Joe Alt, right, for all the symmetry that it would make. But get right. – Get a couple of picks. Get you know maybe you get a a third this year and a second next year for Snead, and you get a third, maybe a couple of thirds in compensation uh, for all your free agent losses because Willie Gay and Drew Tranquil and you know there's other guys that are that are going to be leaving, and then you have a whole bunch of picks next year. You focus this year on solidifying one of those key places, left tackle, and then you got a bunch of picks in the second and third round where Brett Beach has done great work, and you let him kind of replenish the team in the 25 draft the way he really did in the 22 draft. I can't disagree with any of that. You know, there's so much conjecture and so many sure. different ways this could go. Um, but it's, it's great to visit about. And, it, and when you're sitting on top as the Chiefs yes. are, um, they have a position of power and they've got great pieces and everybody wants a part of them. And here are two defensive players, part of one of the best defenses in football that are now going to be, you know, somewhat available. So um, it, it'll it'll play out well, but it makes the next two months very interesting. Let's get to our final four. It's brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System, and we'll move quickly, Kevin. I went too long in our first segment, so we'll go quick here. Uh, if you okay, suffer an orth- right. Yes, if you suffer an orthopedic injury in everyday life or playing sports, the University of Kansas Health System offers orthopedic walk-in care. They're right there at 435 and all in Overland Park. Weekdays 8 to 7, Saturdays 8 to 2. You can learn more at kansashealthsystem.com slash orthopedics. Just about a minute, so we'll move pretty quick here, Kevin. Okay. Uh, is, Sneed, is Sneed back with the Chiefs, yes or no? I'll say yes. Okay. Is Jones back with the Chiefs? I'll say yes. Oh, he's the eternal optimist. You got <laughs> you, you have to love it. The eternal optimist. Um, all right. Uh, KU, right now, how far does KU go in the tourney? Well, I know depth is an issue. Um, tough loss at home the other night to BYU. Bill Self knows how to get this team peaked at the right time. He's been down this road so much. Nothing to prove. they got to take advantage of Hunter Dickinson. He's a once in a, you know, kind of a generation type of center with what he's doing. He's continually manning that position so well. 
Um, I'll say at the minimum, they make the Elite Eight. I, right, I just okay. I have that kind of confidence in what they're going to do. All right, Elite Eight plus, I will put down. And finally, Good. Uh, tell me, uh, just a team, because like I said, we're running short here. Uh, who right now is the NBA champ in your mind? Who will it be when it's all said and done? I will go with Boston. I think they were humiliated with the loss to Miami. I think Boston is at the kind of season that's historic. The record would say so at this stage. I, I, I like Boston. You're the man, Kevin. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. We'll talk again next week. Thank you, Seren. Take care. We're almost done for the day, but there's just a few more things we'd like to share. But there's still more. Here's the kicker. Here's the kicker of this whole thing. On the program. But first, the good sense. End of the hour answer. Three players have hit multiple World Series homers against the Royals. I asked for any one of them. Mike Schmidt. He hit two. Is there a giant? Uh, Hunter. Uh, Hunter uh, Both Mets. Both Mets. Two of the Mets. The Mets. Mookie Wilson <laughs> and Daryl Strawberry. Wrong. Curtis Granderson hit three. Oh, wow. And celebrating that. a birthday today, Michael Conforto. Wow. That's an odd name on that list. It is. Uh, Good Sense, always a wise choice. GoodSenseSubs.com. You can put your order in right there. The app, that's a great way. Make sure you're part of that loyalty club. Free food, people. It's yours. GoodSenseSubs.com. Celebrating 35 years. Giving Kansas City the freshest subs, the freshest veggies on that pillowy soft, fresh-baked bread. Bake fresh two or three times each day. Slicing the meat and cheese right in front of you. Get it tonight on your way home. GoodSenseSubs.com. Uh, the NCAA did something they were expected to do. They are their committee uh, on rule changes is uh, adopting a player-to-coach helmet communication system, the use of tablets on the sideline as well as in the uh, halftime locker room, and a two-minute warning in college football. This is usually a rubber stamp that comes after it. Once it gets the recommendation from this committee, it all goes into effect. The helmet... You know, in-helmet, uh, walkie-talkie communication long over 30 years 30 ago. 30 years. Amazing. 30 years ago, the NFL did it. Um, and I think the tablets, okay, yes, everybody can use the tablets. But uh, what do you think about the two-minute warning? Do you like it? I don't hate it. It's, it's just one more interruption, one more spot to just put commercials in. But um, I, don't, they, I don't see the need for it. I don't see the need for it in the NFL either. They started the – well, it, it makes for more exciting finishes. Does it? Yes. I've, that's, I've never considered that. I don't know why you feel a need to hate so much, Curtis. This is a good one. I like it. See you Monday.